podcast. This is going to be our final installment of our player report cards, just as we're ending near the uh, end of the summer. Hockey's um, back this month. Yeah, it's crazy. This has been a very short off season. I mean, obviously with our deep run in the playoffs. It's uh, so short you had to stumble through the intro a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, it's gonna be nice to wrap this up. You know, we have a few players here that you know are no longer with us, so it's gonna be short and sweet. Um, again, guys, keep your eyes peeled for the uh, intro to the Kotkaniemi fiasco that we got going on here. We're gonna introduce it next podcast, and then. Uh, early next week when we have a decision, we're going to go through it again. So let's jump right into it. I'll start off. We're going to start off today with Brett Kulak. So um, again, I think the format's going to be the same. We're going to run through his stats, the the grades that you know were given to him. Uh, you know, comparing again to his last season, and then we'll kind of go off of our um, you know our, our non quantitative, more qualitative assessment of how he did this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so Brett Kulak stayed the same overall at D plus. Uh, so D-plus last year, D-plus this year. His offense, again, remained a D. Um, his goals per game, uh, he went from a D to a C-minus. Uh, so a little improvement there. So, I mean, last year it was, it was zero, <laughs> right? Yeah. But uh, it went to a .04 goals per game this year. So, I mean, like negligible improvement, but improvement nonetheless. Uh, assists go from a D to a D plus, so 0.13 last year to 0.13 this year. Yeah, just more rare, of a rare time they stay exactly the same. Yeah, just more of a contribution to the total assists on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. Points went last year went from an F to a D, so good improvement there for 0.13 points per game to 0.17. Defensively, he stayed at a C. Um, hits he went from a C minus to an F. I think this is, you know. Again, going off of last, you know, the last four we've done or, or whatever it's been now, um, you know, our team hit a lot this year, and, and certain players, especially if they had uh, as little ice time as guys like Brett Kulak did, are really going to suffer on a per-game stat basis. Mm-hmm. So he went from 1.05 hits per game last year to 0.61. Um, you know, I, I Brett Kulak's role definitely decreased this year defensively. I mean, we, we brought in a lot of guys that could play that top four, and uh, he never really broke that position in, in his bottom pairing there. And, and I need to fight for it a bit. I need to fight for it a little bit because we had you know more uh, backup there. Uh, in terms of blocks, he went from a B to an A minus, which you know is needed on this team. No one was blocking this year, so 0.89 blocks per game to 1.17. So good improvement there. Then takeaways, he went from a D to a D plus, uh, 0.23 to 0.17. Again, there's a decrease there, but again. This year, it seems the Montreal Canadiens just didn't have many takeaways. Um, we replaced it with hits, basically. Yeah, and I, so to me, the way I look at it is he had three stats go up uh, on a per-game basis. One stayed the same and two decreased, but his overall contribution to the team um, remained the same, which just means you know what, he's kind of finding a new niche on the team, which makes perfect sense because... He went from essentially being our top pair guy yeah, with Weber. Jeff Petrie to yeah, Weber and, and Weber, yeah. true, I forgot about that, to basically being a mentor for Romanov and kind of being shifted in and out of the lineup depending on the skating ability of the other team. Just really kind of embracing, you know, as much as we like Brett Kulak, it, like to be honest here, like his role player yeah. um, position, which is he, that's what he is. He's a sixth to seventh defenseman on each team. And he has a few breakout games here and there. But to me, I, I, I like it when guys like that don't decrease. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't expect them to increase. So so staying the same shows that, you know, he has one more year on his contract and we're not basically giving up 
I think it's one point eight five million. Yeah. Uh, to nothing, we have a guy who's being consistent. Yeah, and he, you know, he is very solid defensively, and you know, going to more the 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 qualitative here. You know, I, I'm very confident when he's on the ice that I'm not going to see a slip-up. And I, I liked him playing with Romanov for those few games just because, you know, while Romanov was, you know, making some rookie mistakes, like Kulak was always there. And, you know, I another reason I love Brett Kulak, you know, especially when you compare him to a guy like Victor Mete is he knows his place on the team. He knows he's not Shea Weber. He knows he's not Jeff Petrie. He's no, he knows he's not even Ben Sherratt. You know, he knows his role on the team and he embraces it and, you know, that's what makes a successful decor is when everyone wants to play their position and not, you know, the big guy's position. I agree. And I, I also think that just um, he, we've said it before, he is somewhat of a Jeff Petrie light. Um, just very hard-nosed player, can skate, can contribute offensively. But like you said, knows his role, knows his place, and basically doesn't try and... The, the, I think Mike Riley, um, in terms of talent, I'd say like they're, they're quite similar. But Mike Riley tries to be Eric Carlson. That's the thing. And, you know, he had a better season this year playing on Boston, just to diverge from the Habs a second, because the Boston Bruins basically, like, whip you into shape. They're very militaristic in that sense, and Mike Riley kind of calmed down. But I remember even watching the Bruins and Islanders series, and you can still see some bad habits come through. He does that one, like, move at the blue line every single time. Yeah. And Brett Kulak, just you know you're not going to have that um, immaturity, even though he's the same age. Yeah, as you Mike almost Riley. have the opposite issue with Brett Kulak. Is you know he does have, I think, a little bit more to give the team, especially offensively, because when he has those breakout games, they are kind of like an Arturi Lekkinen style. Like, what? Well, where did that come from? Do that more often, you know. And I think with him specifically, uh, contrasting to Mike Riley, is he's a he he lacks confidence a lot when he especially offensively he he's not the guy who wants to take that shot have it get blocked and give up a breakaway he'll always 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 dump it in the corner first mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like um, that's how he differs from Jeff Petrie like Petrie will always take the shot um, you know rarely will he like you know play that play the safe move like you know he he likes to skate it with the puck a little bit Kulak in in the offensive zone likes to just get rid of it and and play his game. And I can appreciate that, especially on a third pair. Um, but I just mean in terms of his overall development, I think he could have gotten a little bit more out of his early career if he if he just embraced his 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 confidence offensively a little bit. I agree. Um, yes, I, I'm just going to move on to uh, our next player. And I just do want to preface this. So other than Kulak, I believe this will be the last player that had played what we'll call like a significant amount of NHL games. Yeah. So these last four guys, you take with a grain of salt, but um, it's still worth noting. Uh, Cole Caulfield, obviously similar to Alex Romanov, rookie season, so we don't have any previous grades to go off of. But we give him a, it's a D plus based off of the per game standard, and obviously you know any they so can inflate some stats and exactly. Others. So um, offensively, a C plus. Um, a minus in goals, D in assists, and a B minus in uh, points. He was second on the team in goals per game, seventh actually in points per game. Defensively, he's a D minus with hits and blocks being an F, and takeaways being a C, which actually was good enough for ninth on the team, which that shows you something. Um, I think it's safe to say that you know Cole Caulfield's going to be. One of, if not the best player on the team at his peak. Yeah, I and, you know. I, 
I, I think just going back to the goals here for a second, like while I, you know, this is clearly an inaccurate stat because of, you know, how little games he played and, you know, it, it's a, you know, it, it's a bit of a straw man, but it's similar to like if we took Ryan Paling's 2020 stats, mm. goals per game, you're like, oh look, three, three yeah, goals exactly. per game, you know, but um, obviously he played more games than that, but it's still something similar, but I really don't think, you know, him being second in goals on the team, I don't think that's a far stretch in a, in a year or two of that being the truth. That That's the thing is that I, I'm looking more at the trends. So for me, you know, points and goals being high, hits and blocks being low and yeah. assists being low. I'm not surprised. You know, it, it shows that he, he's taken his game and brought it to the NHL. Um, I, I expect big things from him, especially with the chemistry he plays with Suzuki. But, you know, it's it's difficult to... It'll be more fun when we do this next off season, and yeah. we have, like, a full season under his belt where his inflated stats, imagine if he can surpass them. Yeah, I, I really think he's going to be uh, get more than 25 goals. I, I really look forward to it, and I, like, I, I always hate making, you know, like specific predictions but i would you know i i would be wrong to say that i i disagreed with you and um yeah upwards of 25 is is just like it feels right yeah if there's you know and especially for a guy like caulfield where you know he's just a pure goal scorer like you know if he doesn't get that and he's showing so much promise in that area if he doesn't get that then you know all the hype about him's wrong i mean like not necessarily the goal total, but I mean talking about his goals. Like, yes. It's not so much the, the number 25, but it's talking about goals with Cole Caulfield. That's what matters. It'd be different if you're talking about goals with Nick Suzuki. Exactly. Uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, more of he's, a... he's a sneaky good goal scorer. He is. He is really. It's and, just the fact that he's so cerebral. Yeah, and he's, he's, more of a, he's more of a complete hockey player. Yeah. So talking about one aspect of his game and making predictions is a little bit unrealistic. But with Cole Caulfield, goals is everything with him. So yeah. it's, it's a little easier to kind of project a year or two in the future and I really don't think anyone uh, who's real with hockey um, and knows what's happening would think 25 goals is out of, out of the question yeah no I, I especially the way he played in the playoffs and yeah. showed he can play against you know the big defensemen um, I'll, I'll take the next one just because that was you know not not too much work there um, Xavier Willette so Willette actually um, dropped from a D plus to a D grade um, offensively from a D to a D minus his goals. He stayed at a D with zero going to zero. This is where it's going to be kind of funky on the podcast. There's a lot of guys who yeah, like you guys just, are wondering why that's not an F. Yeah. Right? So it's just, it's, it's just basically, um, yeah, he, he's it's not good to be short. It's not good that it's not an F. Exactly. That means that there's quite a few players on our team that actually have zeros. Yeah. So like it's not a, you know, it, it, it's still not a failure on our in terms of our team. Which, exactly. Yeah. Um. You know, assists going from a D plus to a D minus. That was point seventeen down to zero. Points overall D minus two and F. That's point seventeen as well down to a zero. Defensively stated a C. Hits actually went up from a B minus to a B two to two point eight three hits per game. Blocks and uh, stated a B. And takeaways stayed in an F. Blocks being 1.25 up to 1.33. And takeaways going from 0.08 down to 0.0. Yeah. I don't even remember how many games we'll have played for us this year. I think honestly, I'll venture a guess it's one or two. Yeah, I, mean, I don't so, think, you know, I think yeah. two's high. I think we're talking one game here, so. Yeah, and um, I know he's still on the team, but look, this guy's named Captain of the Laval Rocket. He's your eighth defenseman each time. Um, I, again... Even lower expectations for him than a Brett Kulak, obviously. Yeah. But I also just know, you know, 
he he plays a very very one dimensional game. He can play defense. That's yeah. it, and he doesn't do it that well. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's good in the AHL and puts up points there. So just I honestly with this kind of guy, I just I want to leave him in the AHL. Not not just be like you know because he doesn't help the team, but also because like you know you, you want to feel successful in the thing you've dedicated your life to. And he's obviously like a good dude. And he's not like, you know, he's never had any, like, locker room issues or anything. So, just let him go captain the team. It's weird if, like, the captain's gone half the yeah. year. So, just let him captain the team. You know, he worked the power play, worked the penalty kill. And just, uh, you know, he'll I think he'll feel more accomplished as a yeah. as yeah. an athlete, at least. It's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like pulling wool over his eyes a little exactly. bit. But at the same time, I mean, I, you know, if you if you want to, want to live in, uh, like, a fairy tale, just let him do it. I, you know, I... It'd be, it'd be interesting to actually speak to him. I, I doubt anyone would, you know, say, no, I don't want to be called up to the NHL and play oh, for the Canadians. But, you know, I think going forward, like, we have such a loaded D roster now, which is weird to say, um, you know, specifically on that side, that I, you know, I, I don't see why we would need to ever, you know, lose our captain in the NHL. Yeah, and the last thing is he also kind of acts as a very, very good mentor for defensemen the NHL, yeah. of the AHL moving up. Yeah, they're going so, to who's going to exactly. play the NHL, all those guys. So. so, yeah, anyway, move on to uh, the next yeah. one. Yeah, so the next uh, guy we got here is John Merrill. So, obviously, John's not with us anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but, and he uh, wasn't with us for long. Yeah, he wasn't with us for long. But overall, you know, he decreased from a D-plus to a D. Um, his offense stayed the same at a D. His goals per game stayed at a D, 0.04 last year to zero. He didn't get a goal this year. Um, assists stayed at a D as well, so 0.1 last year, 0.1 this year, no change. Uh, his point total stayed at an F, 0.14 last year, 0.10 this year. Um, defensively, he stayed at a C, hits, uh, went from a D to an F. So, you know, obviously with the with the Montreal Canadiens hitting capacity this year, um, you know, uh, it's, his hits are going to take a hit, but even on a per-game basis, he went from a 1.04 to a 0.69, so hitting just a little bit less this year at least on a per-game basis. Um, his blocks stayed in A, which was great for, for the Habs. That's what he was brought in for. Yeah, so 1.45 blocks per game to 1.43, so no real change there. Um, good blocking guy. Uh, in terms of his takeaways, he went from a D-plus to a D, so 0.29 per game last year to 0.14 this year. So, you know, John Merrill, I think, is, you know, for for the most part, we brought him in because he's kind of like a boring defenseman, and yeah. you know he can stay he can stay at home and uh, you know lock it down um, at least on that third pair there. Um, you know I I wasn't you know I wasn't you know in super super pleased with his play. Um, you know I was I was I was more okay with it in the in the postseason and the playoffs, and uh, in the regular season, you know I you always say it like you'd rather not notice them on the ice with mm. with these guys, but. You know, at a few points, I kind of did. Like, I, it looked like he... I thought he had a lot more grit to his game than, than I than he realistically does. And, um, you know, I was expecting a lot more, like, in front of Carey or in front of Jake, like, you know, certain, you know, clearing abilities yeah. that I just didn't see. Because, you know, he's not a... You know, he's not a big defenseman, but he's not small. He's no, like he's two, still 6'2 six six or 6'3. And he's, like, two two or five two ten. So, like, I, I was expecting, a, you know, a little bit more of that, like, Edmondson style mm-hmm. of defense where, um, you know, after the play, after the whistle, he ensures, you know, that crease is clear and, you know, even during the play, uh, you know, throw a few cross checks, but, you know, didn't get much of that, you know, solid defensively, but, you know, nothing, 
nothing to add to that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Cap Friendly has him listed as six foot three and 195 pounds. Oh, yeah, so but either pounds. way, for, for me, I, I think that, yeah, he was brought in to be that bottom pair guy, but Bergevin had a very clear plan for the playoffs, and, um, I mean, it worked to a certain degree, but that was exactly that... John Merrill was Mark Bergevin when Mark Bergevin played in the NHL. That was exactly, you know, we how many of those defensemen have we brought in over the years, even for small stints? It's just Mark Bergevin likes his stay-at-home defenseman who doesn't contribute offensively. But, um, you know, it was we, it, we got him at the trade deadline. He played a couple games with us, um, did his job in the playoffs, and then we basically knew he was a rental, so we sent him on his way. But um, I think he signed in Minnesota, so... You know, they, they have a deep defensive core, too, so I'm sure he'll be a role player there. And, uh, you know, obviously, wish him, wish him luck where he goes, but at the same time, I'm kind of... Just not what we needed. Yeah, and just and, and I, definitely not going forward what we yeah, needed. Yeah, and I, I don't think many people thought his tenure here would last very long. I mean, no, with the, I, again, with the guys we got coming up, it's um, it's kind of hard to see a future for, for anybody here right now. I mean... You know, yeah. Even you know, even talking about guys like like Ben Sherrod, I mean, like it's it's going to be tough going forward. So um, hopefully that instills some competition in these guys, and we we see a really good year. Yeah, and so lastly, and probably the least polarizing, um, <laughs> Michael Froelich, because when we signed him, I think everyone's reaction was kind of the same of just like why. There was no room for him on the team. There was guys... Like really no room for him. And, and there was guys who were ahead of him on the scratch list. Yeah. And that's what ended up happening. So, I mean, just to, you know... Just he probably to played, like, two games. I don't even think he did. I think, I think he, played he played less. One game. Yeah. He definitely played a game, but... Yeah. Um, overall, C down to a D. C minus to a D minus. C to a D in goals. C, C minus to D minus in assists. D plus to F in points. Uh, defensively, C to a D, which is D minus up to a D in hits, but D to an F in blocks, and A down to a C in takeaways, just to give you guys the numbers, 0.11 goals down to zero, 0.14 assists down to zero, 0.25 points per game down to zero, um, half a hit per game up to 1.13, 0.39 blocks down to 0.13, and 0.56 takeaways down to 0.25. So, would you believe if I told you Michael Froley played eight games this year? No, because that would be a seventh of the season. He did eight well, games. Then it justifies it even more. Yeah, Michael then, Froley yeah. sucks. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden these stats on a per game basis, like you know, obviously eight's not a huge sample size, but it's big enough, yeah. especially as a forward. Like that's a, well, that's a good it. amount of time. You know? And yeah, especially for how deep the Canadians' forward lines were. Um, so just just looking at significant stats very briefly, Brett Kulak, just before we talk about Froelich, Kulak had significant increases in points and decreases in hits. Coughlin let, did not have a significant stat on their season. Merrill's hits dropped significantly. And then Froelich's uh, significant drops were in overall offense, goals, assists, points, defense, blocks, and takeaways. Nice. So for me... Um, don't know really why we signed him. Kind of unsurprised this happened and not shocked he's not back. Yeah, just not a really... Just really you know, not a good fit. Not, you know, like, you, you contrast this to Perry, like, you know, Pro League's not a role player, no real offensive upside, no real defensive upside, not particularly gritty. Um, you know, I, I it's just a... It, it looked like... 
it looked like uh, it would make more sense if we didn't also get a Corey Perry. Exactly. Because, you know I mean? like, all of a sudden that buffer room and the scratch list is just, you know, basically and, un you can't surmount that. And it would make more sense if he was a hybrid player, like a Jordan Wheel, yeah, just center left wing, but he's just a pure two-way wing. winger. Yeah. And I, I don't know, maybe there was something there. I wonder, you know what, I'm going to double check real quick. I wonder if he's ever won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not totally sure about that. I know, um, you know, he he had a you know a decent point total with Calgary, you know, a few mm -hmm. years ago. But I, you know, not again, not particularly a uh, you know that unidimensional role player that you, that you that you take him for. You know, not a particular goal scorer, not particularly good defensively. Um, but here it is, strange. Michael Michael Frolik won the cup with Chicago in 2013. One, that's a cup ring, and two, I believe Bergevin was still with Chicago at that point. Okay. So this was a kind of an internal move of knowing the guy, liking the guy, knowing he can bring some veteran leadership. Yeah. But again, can't really do that from, you know, the, the, the press box and everything. So, yeah, I don't even know if he played the playoffs there. He was injured. Yeah, probably 40 not. games played. And... But, um, you know what, honestly, this I, I have to say this was kind of like a, sp not spur of the moment, but kind of... Right after the season ended, you know, Rob and I, we were putting together uh, just ideas to keep the podcast going throughout the offseason. And, like, this one, I have to say, has been a lot of fun. It has, yeah. So, it's been kind of eye-opening. It, it yeah. definitely takes your biases and, and puts them under the microscope a little yeah. bit. Because, um, you know, there's certain players, especially um, the opposite of what I thought. So I knew there would be a lot of players that, you know, like, we, we keep, uh, you know, near and dear that wouldn't, you know, pan out as much in terms of their overall score. But what I what I noticed was a lot of the players that I scrutinized a lot ended up jumping up way higher. Mm -hmm. like, I didn't project Jeff Petrie to be like you know in the top three yeah. in terms of overall. Um, well, I didn't think Tatar would have still been a top five player yeah. on the team. So. so you know it really does it draws things into question, and it, you know this can maybe you know enlighten us or you know you know give us a bit more insight into into what moves we make in the off season. And I I hope it was useful to you guys. Yeah. So um, the next podcast coming out is uh, like you alluded to earlier. The first uh, installment of uh, part one. Yeah, the KK Chronicles, Benedict Kotkaniemi, if you will, <laughs> and uh, take a look for that one. You know, that one's going to probably be uh, separate since the Mark Bergevin Chronicles there, like the most in-depth kind of, you know, attack on this new story. So Yeah, Jesse put a lot of work into this next one, so it's kind try of to like interact child. with us a little bit. Uh, <laughs> you know, message us on, on social media when you guys listen to it, uh, Instagram at HabsPuckDrop. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. You can email us your thoughts, questions, and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on Instagram at habspuckdrop. We'll see you next time.